Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in Hawks fans. Your boy Bryce was back at it again for another Believe in Hawks podcast. We have a lot to discuss today on the pod right now. Hawks coming off their third straight loss to the and and losing to the 76ers last night. A tough loss for this team. Now 9-12 and on the season. Adversity has struck this team with a tough stretch of games coming up. Jalen Johnson still out for a couple more weeks. Trey Young was out of the Sixers game with an illness, so I would think he'd be back for the next game. Hopefully it's not anything that's going to take him multiple days. They don't play again till Monday, so he at least has the weekend to get himself right. So we got to talk about the state of this team right now, and right now, and ultimately, um, the Hawks have, have have tried. I mean, the one thing about this team is they put effort. You can't say they don't. But I think you know you, you see more of the flaws of this roster that people have pointed out at times this year that I've pointed out at times this year um, in a game like this against the 76ers. You know, and just a lot of people are asking questions. A lot of people are questioning Quinn. A lot of people are questioning you know like the moves obviously we made because of the fact that the roster does have these limitations, which is a fair criticism. Um, people questioning Jante, people questioning, you know, just everything, you know, like about what, what this team is, what we should have did, everything under the sun. So we're going to get into all that today on the podcast. So like I can say, guys, appreciate you guys tuning into the pod. We're going to talk about that today. Also, if you're listening to me on YouTube, obviously you can see the, my social at the bottom of the screen, Bryce underscore 2K. Go ahead and shoot me a follow there. Also subscribe and like for the channel in this video. So I definitely appreciate all the love and support. Same thing for audio. If you want to go ahead, show love to the podcast, leave a review, leave a rating on the pod. Anything helps to help grow this podcast and try to make it the number one podcast in the Atlanta Hawks community. So I appreciate all you guys, like I said, tuning in once again and everything under the sun. So, like I said, Hawks lost the Sixers last night in a game where, you know, they 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 competed. I mean, they, they competed last night. Um, but it just wasn't enough, especially in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter realistically is where I feel like the Hawks, they, that's the, the difference between them being a better team and then the team they are now record-wise. And what I mean by that is, is like, you, you got to like, look at it like this. I said that I feel like in the fourth quarters that this team, they've, they've struck, the biggest thing they struggle to do is execute in fourth quarters. They struggle to get stops. And then they, even though they're such a, great scoring team average wise it seems like when the moments matter most they're not able to get consistent offense unless it's from a guy like trey if he's hot or something like that and i think that's a big issue if you look at the brooklyn nets game i mean they were in that game trey had hit that big three and then what what lost them that game the fact that they the nets ran a great play were able to basically cut out the back boom wide open layup communication could have been better Multiple guys could have did things better on that play, but they didn't. And that was the difference between winning and losing the game. Sixers game was close. Two-point game, tie game at times. And then now it ends an 11-point game, which happened the first time, even when Trey and Jalen was in the lineup that went against the Sixers. They were close and then just fell apart. And um, there's multiple things you can look at. Um, I mean, you 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 look at this team and, and you think, you know, you're 9-12 and right now. Like I said, you still have Denver coming up. You got Toronto back-to-back. You got Cleveland coming up. All those teams are, you know, 
decent teams. Like, like I mean, obviously Denver's the best team in that stretch, but you basically, you know, you're not going to have any cupcake games, as they say, for you to win so you can get yourself back on track. If you're going to get yourself back on track, you've got to beat some legitimate teams, some good teams along the way. You know, and, and I don't think the Hawks are going to make any moves or anything like that until next month, which is when it gets close to the trade deadline anyway. Now, I could be surprised. You never know what could happen. Something could they Landry could be or whoever could just be like, make a move now. You know, you never know in the NBA. But I don't think any help's going to necessarily come till that point, too. But overall, I think that there, there are some things that just makes this team that's just not they're just not fun. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it a lot. Like people are just like, you know, the team's not fun, and and I and I've and I've seen that multiple times over the last few years. Because obviously that 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 Eastern Conference Finals team that was a fun team. I think everybody like really enjoyed watching them play. Like like you know, there's teams in the league now that are fun to watch but not good. You know, and we know who those teams are. Like oh, they're not good, but they're very fun to watch. And you know, and you, and you have some teams like I mean, you think about the Spurs for all those years. They weren't necessarily a fun team to watch. If you were just a lover of pure basketball, it was fun for you. But if you wanted all the highlight plays and everything, the Spurs weren't your tough team. You know, but they won. And if you win at the end of the day as a fan, you're probably like, hey, you're winning. I can't complain too much. So the Hawks, it, it's kind of crazy to say a team with top five in fast break, top five in scoring, top five in pace isn't a fun team. But I think that's indicative of how this season has felt for a lot of fans. I think that's indicative of how the season has has came off because I think fans have had higher expectations than what we've seen so far. And us not reaching and achieving those expectations are creating that ripple effect in the in the in the fan base that's making people be like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to watch these games. Cause you can, it feels like we can never blow anybody out, first of all. It feels like we could never blow anybody out. It's always competitive against whoever, no matter this bad team, really good team, you know, whatever. It always feels like it, there's always a lot of mistakes made on the court uh, that you're just like, what, like this is stupid. IQ's not there. We cost us a game. Like, oh my god, I, you know, people are like I don't like watching DeAndre Hunter play. I don't like playing watching Clint Capella play. You know, things like that. Like, just I don't like watching particular players. Like, I don't like watching how they operate. You know, and one of the big things too that came out of last night's game. This is something I've observed across the season. The reason why I don't make any judgments so fast, I like to see how the season plays out. We're past the first quarter of the season now, so I could start to have more of an opinion on what I've seen, and I can give that to you guys. And I mean, big thing I think is that the Hawks sorely need more shot makers. And the, and the thing is, is like Trey's a shot maker maybe you consider Bogey a shot maker too. But outside of that, I mean, DeJounte like has his moments, you know, if he has his mid range going and stuff and then I can get his three going, then he becomes a shot maker, but that's not him on a, any given game basis. For the most part, I feel like sometimes, I mean, Bay can make shots, but like, I don't know if I consider him a shot maker. And I think in the fourth quarter of the Sixers game, you kind of saw that. They didn't really have any shot makers. The Sixers ramped it, ramped it up the intensity and pressure defensively, and it just they couldn't get any good possession. Like, the quality of possessions in that fourth quarter was not good. They took care of the ball great the first three quarters, and then they turned it over like eight, nine times in the fourth quarter. So 
you know, I, I think that 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 is like again indicative of what the season has been like for this team. It's been tough to maintain that type of momentum that they need to maintain for them to be successful. Like when you're a 500 team like this, the problem is you're basically you have a thin margin. The Hawks have a thin margin when they play teams. They are not a team that can make all these mistakes and still beat you. They're not that good of a team who could not play their best but still be able to handle you. They have to play a certain way for them to win these games. And so they have a very thin margin of error. And I feel like that shows itself in those these fourth quarters. Or when they would always start games trailing by 10 points and they're having to fight back every time. Those are examples of like, listen, you're a 500 team because you can't establish something consistent. And obviously habits are still being developed and everything under the sun and whatever, whatever. Because obviously this team's developed bad habits over the last couple of years and et cetera. But realistically, that is the difference between you being nine and nine and twelve and twelve and nine is habits. And it's habits and it's belief in what you can do and belief in in what you want to be. Um and just executing it on the stretch. Because if you can't execute, it pretty much fucks you up. Excuse my language. Yeah, but this is explicit. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, like it, it, it makes things tough. Like you, you, you start to lose these games. Like if you think about the last two games, they played Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn, both of those games came down to the last possessions. Like the, like Brooklyn and the Nets, I think are like, honestly, I think they're mirror images of each other to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like they clearly have shown you they're pretty much equal for the most part, both of those teams, like wherever Brooklyn is with Oxford. And that's why you get games that go right down to the wire. But the difference in this game was that they actually make enough plays late in the first game, in the first matchup and the second matchup Hawks did not make enough plays. Brooklyn made enough plays down the stretch, which helped them win the game. Yeah. Cause you still had Trey had 30. Mikael Bridges had 32. So they both were still with the thing, which just the difference is you got guys like Spencer Dinwood who struggled for the entire game, who was one of 10, up to that midpoint in the fourth quarter, and then he was able to get a few baskets in that game to get it. And everybody's talked about the play with DeAndre Hunter, where DeAndre Hunter basically let him get past him, which gave him a free release because he was able to keep up with him, which we can get more than DeAndre Hunter here in a minute. But, you know, people are just like circling that play is like, this is what's wrong with this team. This this is why Hunter needs to go. This is, this is why we're not going to be the team we want to be. You know? Um, you know, a lot of people blame, like I said, Tony Wrestler uh, for his reluctance, like the Kevin Herter trade. Every time this happens, they're going to blame for trading Kevin Herter. I have always said that I just, I don't feel like, I've always said this, that if Nate McMillan was still here, Kevin Herter would not be the player you think you see in the Sacramento because he just wouldn't, you know, Nate McMillan doesn't know how to maximize talent. So in a way, it's like, if he's under Quinn, I would feel better about it. I mean, Bogey's playing lights, playing, playing fantastic under Quinn. So he's, benefited from him coming in and being the coach and then the staff. But, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's one of those things where you look at this team and they just, I know a lot of people were mad about them staying put really this offseason outside of Trey and JC and a lot of people, Ooh, we need JC now. And I'm like, well, if you do, if you had JC, Jalen would be what he was. But I've, but I've also said too, that I, I think last year, if you think about it, you had John Collins and Clint Capella. And then when you went to your bench, you could go Jalen, 
you could go Bay or you could go Okongwu. You had three guys who could relatively come in for any of those guys if someone got hurt, foul trouble. This year, you don't have that depth. You don't have those guys you can trust to come in like that. Like, think about it. You lose Jalen Johnson, now Bay's your four. You don't really have a four after him. You have no true four. You have to put Hunter at the four. Realistically, if Capella went down, you sent Bruno to College Park. I mean, you can call him up whenever, but I mean, he's your backup center after that. And he hasn't even gotten PT with the issues in the front court just to see what he can do out there in the rotation. Your front court depth is lacking. It, it's very, de- it, and, 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 and this team is very dependent on their top eight when they're healthy, which I think they need to rely more or at least be able to give roles to guys that are nine and 10. I know Quinn ran a nine man rotation last year. I think he should do that again this year. I mean, he tries to, but he gives that ninth guy like five minutes, maybe at night, depending on what the matchup is and how that person is playing. And then that's why it's a rotation between Wesley Matthews, AJ Griffin, or Garrison Matthews, which that also is a topic of discussion too. So, uh, you know, and I think guards, you have a lot of guards, but you also feel like, man, are we getting enough from what who we need? Because really, see, in today's NBA, I mean, you got to have great wing play. And, you know, I think everybody has their opinion on DeAndre Hunter. And I think DeAndre Hunter, I think DeAndre Hunter is a fine player. I do. I really do. But he isn't the type of wing that this team needs, which is why Pascal Siakam was mentioned in trade talks. Because Pascal upgrades you offensively and defensively. And gives you more juice. The thing about DeAndre Hunter is he had 24 last night, but and he led the team in scoring, but I believe. But even with that, even with that, how impactful did that 24 points feel to you? Did you feel like, man, like DeAndre, man, like he is really giving us some juice that we need tonight to really offset losing Trey Young? Or did you just feel like, okay, Trey's just having a good game offensively? There's a difference in the two. Siakam would give you more juice. And you would assume plays like that game against one against the Nets when Spencer did when he got past him wouldn't happen as easily, at least. Because, you know, guys are shot makers in this league. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that Hunter – Technically, numbers-wise, Hunter is playing better than he's played the last couple of seasons. Uh, but at the same time, he still makes those mistakes. The the the, la- the lazy turnovers, the losing of handling, still has a bit of a weak handle at times. Uh, just, you know, it, it, it's like he, he is in – his mistakes happen in very inopportune times. So when you have that, it just feels like it offsets what he does well. And it feels like what he does well isn't well enough to really make you feel like it's okay. You know, and I think that's the big issue with Hunter in a lot of people's eyes. Just overall, because, you know, you want more from that position. I think like 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 this team like that's why Jalen's been such a real uh you know a great thing for this team because he kind of gives you juice. He and Trey are like the only two players in this team who really give you juice 
on this team. And if you know ball, you know what I'm talking about. They give you juice. Like, they really feel like, oh, they're making an impact on this game. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, DeJounte has his moments. And Bogey has his moments. Bogey's just consistent. He's consistently giving you what you need every night from him, which is why I love him. You know, that's why I, I people were talking about we should have traded Bogey, but like, I just remember Kevin Herter was mad and consistent. He would go games, stretches, 10 games of just being complete mid. Where at least Bogey, for the most part, he's pretty much giving you good games every game now, especially now after since that knee surgery from last year. He seems to be more healthy, played well in FIFA. He's bringing it into the season, still playing well now. So, you know, he's he's done what he's needed to do. Um, and like Bay, Bay's played pretty decent too the last few games. He's, he's, he's stepped up, but he obviously has his issues defensively. That's where his flaws are. He's an offensive guy, not much of a defensive plus. That's you have those guys in your roster. It's part of it. But um, yeah, so right now this the state of this team is not in the best place. I mean, you could lose you you're probably projected to lose Monday against the Nuggets. That'll drop you to nine and thirteen, the four games under five hundred. Still got the Raptors, which is not an easy game. I mean, obviously you need to win those games, but you know. That's that could still be ills, and then you got Cleveland, who is a decent team. So you don't really have any gimmies coming up, realistically. I mean, if we look at the schedule for them coming up, the next quote unquote gimme game is right after the Cleveland game, which is Monday, December 18th against the Pistons. But then the next two after that are Rockets and Heat, you know. So you're you're not playing. An easy schedule right now. Um, but and yet you're not playing your best basketball either. And that's not a good recipe for success for this team. And and it'll be interesting to see as more if the losing continues, what stories get leaked, what else comes out, what you know, and I don't think at all it's one of those things with Nate where like people have issues in the locker room. I don't think it's that at all. I'm probably we're probably gonna just be looking at like people are obviously probably start up trade rumors again. Trey looking to get traded, Trey looking to leave, Trey looking to to eye another place to go to play basketball. That'll probably come back up again. So we're gonna have to get ready for that. Um what else probably would come up? Like, shoot. I mean, maybe people 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 talk about maybe DeJounte could be back on the trading block. Um, I mean, because it really just depends on what this front office would want to do. I mean, it feel I feel like this front office feels like they can't go into a full scale rebuild because of Trey. Because if you do that, then he's gonna ask out. So and you don't want to lose him. Like you you really feel like you we can't we can't go back to being a you know a bottom dwelling team intentionally right now. You know, it feels like we have to try to be competitive. So and I don't like I said, I don't see them getting off a of Trey. So they're just gonna think, okay, how can we retool this team to make it more competitive? DeJounte is a good trade asset. That could be something you do. With AJ Griffin not getting many minutes and seeming like he's in the doghouse, he'll probably be someone that you'll probably be dangled in a trade. I mean, that's just how that's going to be. I mean, your best package right now could probably be Hunter and, and AJ. You're getting Hunter and you're getting a, a young guard because, you know, most teams want young players in, this, in these trades and you're getting a young guard in AJ and it depends on obviously how the team feels about AJ and their potential on their squad. So that that is your two main trade pieces right there. And then obviously Clint Capella, I, feel, I always feel like Clint will be in another trade, unless he's in a three-team, four-team trade, because uh, people are just feeling like we're not getting the best from that position either. 
which could be hindering a Yekka Kangu, or Yekka Kangu also has been very inconsistent himself. So, like I said, it's kind of a a mixed bag of just different things. You know, you can't really narrow it down to one thing and say this is this is that that thing that's holding this team back. So I think that's been what has been the toughest part of this entire process for this team and for this organization. Um that the play we've seen recently has just not been good. It's not been good at all. Uh I know some people think I I work for the team and I, I'm not mean or anything, but I'm just I'm I'm a guy who who believes in evaluation, who who knows processes. I've seen this team be worse and then bounce back and make the playoffs. So I mean, and y'all have seen it too if you've been Hawks fans. I mean, you can't say you haven't. You've seen it. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, they're nine to twelve right now. They've lost three in a row. Of course, you're gonna sit there and be like, yeah, this team, this this team ain't it. This, this we need to blow this team up. This team sucks. We're done. We're finished. I mean, that's natural. You, 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 you're not seeing anything that's making you feel better. Same thing happened in East Coast Finals year. Until that All-Star break, weren't we like five games under 500? Like, we were like five, six games under 500. I'm sure everybody was like, yep, season's over. We're done. We're finished. We're just trying to get to the lottery. And then they made East Coast Finals. So you really never know if this team can turn around. And that's the reason why I won't say the season is over, because you you, you, you don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. All you can do is make your guess, make your assumption, say what you think is going to happen, and then we let it play out. That's just how stuff goes. There are many multiple teams in this league who have started off bad and then came back and were good later. Maybe that's the Hawks. We have no idea. But at the same time, we also do see the flaws. We also do see the limitations. We also do see the issues that are on this team. And so that is what makes us feel like, all right, yeah, I don't see that happening. And all that's fair. All of that is fair. So, you know, I think that when you when you break down, when you break down this team, I mean, right now you're going through adversity. A lot of teams go through adversity. Sometimes teams go through these stretches where just they're not playing well at all. It just seems like they're out of sorts. It just seems like things aren't working. How do you respond to adversity? This team, I feel like, has been actually a, a very resilient team in their in, in the last few years. I mean, they they were they have fought in multiple seasons to to either make play in, make playoffs, get into the playoffs, just get themselves in a position to at least have a shot. And we'll see now under a Quinn Snyder coach team, how do they respond to adversity? I mean, if you look at the Sixers game; they came out. They played with great effort. They didn't turn the ball over. So clearly this team isn't quitting because, you know, this team is not just saying, screw this, we're done. Like, they're not doing that. They're they're playing hard. They're just not able to get over that hump. They're not executing. They're not doing those things that are needed in these games to be able to take that next step for them. So obviously get Trey back, hopefully Monday for Denver. Um like I said, Jalen's still a couple of weeks away, I think. So we probably won't know. He'll be back till maybe mid-December, towards the end of December, maybe. Um, and so, and then, you know, we'll see how this team gets reevaluated in that process. But overall, I mean, I think it's just been it's been really tough to to as a Hawks fan, and for every Hawks fan that's watching, 
Um, I, I understand. Like, it's it's not easy. Like, you know, I, I, I it's funny because I became a fan in 07 is when I started really watching basketball. And I remember watching the Hawks. It was post-trade deadline, Mike Bibby trade, I think, when they made the wild card and pushed Boston to seven. And that made me a fan of this team because they were resilient. They fought. And so I've always looked at the Hawks as this, as this scrappy, resilient team. And then we went to the playoffs of, what, eight, nine years in a row? Even though we weren't winning championships or competing for them, we went to the playoffs. You knew every year you had a decent product. Then you got to the years where, I, you know, Bud took you to the Eastern Conference Finals and you had your peak year. Then you had your down years and you had those bad years. You had the terrible rosters and you had the rebuilding process that got you Trey Young. Uh, you know, so I've been through the ups and downs of, of, of this team. And I'm sure there's fans who are much older than me who have been there since the 90s with Dominique and, and all them and those squads. And and when, and, you know, obviously 90s was dominated by Jordan in the East. But, you know, I'm sure some people felt like at that time, hey, if the Hawks didn't have to deal with Jordan or other particular situations, they may have been able to get to the, to the finals because they had some really talented teams. But throughout, like I said, my history is like I've always viewed the Hawks of this very scrappy team. And at least I never, and at least I, at least I just missed the Sweetie Claxon area. Thank you. Hawks fans know. Sweetie Claxon. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's really the biggest thing realistically um, from this team that, you know, we, you got to see about. I mean, you're, you're, you're faced with it. Your season could very much go down if you continue to build or continue this losing streak, which could lead to changes. Now, I don't think like Quinn or anybody's going to be in. I don't think that's the case. I, I think the front office is going to view this as like, it's the roster. Now we feel like the coach is there. It's just, we maybe didn't give the coach the best roster to work with to help him be successful as the coach. So that would probably be your next move. And obviously, like you would say, probably Hunter, you would think maybe Capella as well would be your two main people you move. And then depending on how they feel, I mean, I don't know, maybe DeJounte. I don't think DeJounte still, I don't think that would be a move that would happen during the season. I think that's more of a move that if you wanted to make as the season didn't end well, maybe that's like after the season you do. And right now I think Hunter and Clint are the two main trade candidates. And then probably AJ for now, just because I just, I feel like from a roster construction standpoint, he's just not going to be given the opportunity he needs here to grow as a player. And that's just, and that's sometimes just how it is. Like people just want to force, force him into the lineup, but it's like, it's, you're going to take out your second best, third best player to give him time to make mistakes. Jalen was different because Jalen, they needed Jalen. Like they needed him. <laughs> like, like he is a need. AJ's in a need. So it's, it's like, you know, they're not going to force him into the lineup. And Jalen also obviously showed us that he has a very, very high ceiling. A, almost star-like ceiling. So, you know, I, I well, I mean, I think Wesley has done well for when he has played. I mean, he, the problem is, is that he's not a high-value shot taker. He's he's going to maybe put up a couple of shots a game, and he's just going to play some solid defense. Patty Mills played well. I mean, he's a veteran. He knows how to play the game, regardless of his age. And he, I mean, he played well, and he was he, you know, he helped last night um, against the Sixers. So, you know, I, I think overall, I think you got some good contributors. You got some good things happening from those guys. 
But overall, I just think that a lot of the issues kind of rain down that have been issues throughout the entire year, lack of wing play, lack of rebounding, lack of size at times, and just that's affected you in these games. And then this lack of execution down the fourth quarter has not been fantastic either. And I think that also has affected things too. So, you know, it's been, like I said, tough to to watch. It's been tough to evaluate. It's been tough to to just get a gauge on what's going on. But it's 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 what the team is right now. And right now the team is not a good team. You're indicative of what your record is. And right now the Hawks are not good. They're not good right now. So they got to do some soul searching. Um, like I said, this team's not going to quit. I, I, I could see that right now. They're, they're not a team that's going to quit. They're not a team that's going to um, give up. They 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 fight, which is something I can always commend. It's just if the effort, fighting through adversity, and then trying to take that next step. So um, I know right now they're not a fun team to watch. I know a lot of people are very discouraged, um, and I completely understand it, you know. Um, even through thick and thin, I've, I've watched this team. So I'm, I'm sticking on and just we're going to see what happens. We're going to see how they respond Monday uh, against Denver. Uh, but I think it's back in Atlanta. So um, we'll, we'll have to see if this team can get back on track and try to just, you know, because you're, you're going to need one of those winning streaks to get you back where you need to go. So uh, hopefully the Hawks are going to be able to get that and get themselves back, like I said, um, where they need to be. Because, I mean, DeJounte said it for the season. They didn't want to be a fourth seed. And right now, you were looking like playing at best. So, if you want to change that, you still have three-fourths of the season left to change it. There's plenty of time, but you got to start putting some wins together. You got to start playing a better brand of basketball. And we'll see, like I said, if changes will be made if this continues, this slide continues for the Atlanta Hawks. But that's all I got for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Believe on Hawks podcast for the Believe Network. Like I said, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Bryce underscore 2K. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on YouTube or like the video. Also through audio only rating or review. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. Let me be out of your day. Everything under the sun. So we're going to hope for the best. Uh, obviously, we'll probably we'll try to be back um, next week after the Denver game and just talk about our Hawks and see where we are at that point in the process. So that's all I got for you guys. It's boy Bryce Lewis. See you next time.